On your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors snapped their four-game losing skit against a very depressing Atlanta Hawks team, and though it was not their best defensive performance of the season, far from it, there were some big moments and some big performances that gave them just enough defensive juice to get by. We'll get into that on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it, so I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, December the 14th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work so good, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show as well on Instagram, at Lockdown Raptors, and of course, you can find us in the Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. Come hang out. It's free to join. And it's a lovely little spot to come and talk ball, talk trades, talk wins, talk losses, talk video games, and so many other things that tickle the fancy of the 250 sickos just hanging out in there in the Discord. Would love to see you join us over there. It's a great spot to talk about the Raptors on the internet in a non-toxic fashion. Of course, you can also find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Please subscribe, follow, rate, review. And if you're an everydayer out there or thinking of becoming an everydayer, might I recommend clicking on the notification bell on YouTube so you never miss the episode once it starts to premiere over on the tube. Okay. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And we will get started here talking about a Toronto Raptors victory. What We forgot what this felt like. It's lovely. Uh, nice, nice 135, 130, 128 win over the Atlanta Hawks in a kind of a depressing matchup between two very depressing teams at the moment. The Raptors, the least depressing of the two on the night. That's great to see. This game had the potential early on to be a real bummer. It really, really felt like kind of almost a breaking point after the first quarter where Trey Young hits a backbreaker at the buzzer, kind of gets off for a big old run near the end of that first quarter. They put up 39 first quarter points to the Hawks. Doesn't feel very good. And you're thinking, okay, like they're at home. They've had the four game losing streak. All the stuff is spiraling out of control. December 15th is nigh, meaning trade season has opened up. And they're really going to do this against the Hawks, just kind of lay an egg in, you know, on kind of on both ends, mostly on defense. You know, the offense, I think, ran fine for the most part in this game, um, ran really well in lots of sections of this game. Thank you to the Atlanta Hawks defense there. But the defense was so lifeless early on that you were like, oh, God, this could end up being sort of like the nadir of what has already been kind of a depressing season so far. The building seemed pretty dead in the first half as well. My father-in-law was actually at this game and was like, what is going on? Like, the fans are awful. There's no juice to the building whatsoever. But, of course, it picks up in the second half as the Raptors put it together and string together enough defensive stands to get this win. This game felt like a kind of sad version of the game they played against the Pacers a little while back. 
Um, you know, the Hawks are just like a bizarro depressing Pacers that play without any joy, but play the same kind of we only do offense and don't play defense thing um, with like a significantly less uh, offensive engine like player in Trey Young versus Tyrese Halliburton. Trey Young was really good in this game. Not sure he lifted up anybody else, but that's the Trey Young story, isn't it? Um, either way, the Raptors defense in this game. To me, the story of this one were the moments where they were able to kind of ratchet it up. Obviously, the two big Yakupurto blocks late were massive. I thought overall, the issues we've seen with Yakupurto and Dennis Schroeder as a pick and roll defensive combination were really, really notable in this game. Dennis Schroeder had a miserable night defensively, trying to harangue Trey Young, you know, way too often. Basically, every time he was guarding him in space, Trey Young was either popping a three in his face or blowing by him and leaving him completely in the dust, not even attached to the rest of the play. Yaka Pertl, I think, in those two blocks late, the one that led to the OG massive Statue of Liberty dunk and the one that led to the Scotty Barnes and one opportunity on the circus shot finish. Uh, those two blocks, basically identical and kind of the first examples on the entire night of Yaka Pertl figuring out how to deal with the Trey Young floater. And I, I think that was, you know, a thing that, that they were really struggling with, right? Like the in-between game for Trey Young, for all of his faults as a player, he's a bloody good offensive player with excellent touch, awesome floater, can score at the rim, all this stuff. And I did not think the Raptors defense was doing a very good job containing him outside of that sort of late stretch where they got those two massive stops to kind of put it away. I don't think it's fair to say they were bad defensively throughout this entire game either. And that's because one guy was on the floor for a grand total of 17 minutes. And I feel like in those 17 minutes, that's when the Raptors defense was at its best. And that player is Precious Achua, who, you know, we'll talk about Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi and all the good from the big three of this team. Pascal Siakam obviously leading the way with 33 points. We'll get into that coming up. We've obviously got the good, the bad, and the hmm to run through with some good stuff there. But for me, Precious Achua deserves some serious love for the way he defended in this game. He was their only guy with any real shot of staying in front of Trey Young. And I think, you know, on the handful of possessions where he was, uh, you know, kind of switched on to Trey for, for situations, he was pretty awesome. Only four possessions per the NBA track, tracking data of Precious guarding Trey Young. The Hawks scored three points on those possessions, and Trey Young went 0 for 3 with a turnover. Uh, so. <laughs> You know, just very, very small micro examples of Precious guarding Trey Young in an individual one on one as the primary. Those are really good. I also thought Precious did a much better job than Yaka Pertle did in this game of navigating, defending the pick and roll with Trey Young in the late first, second quarter, you know, kind of in there. Lots of really impressive plays of, you know, kind of manning that middle zone, you know, taking away the roller while also not letting Trey Young get to his spots and put up those easy floaters with room to operate. Um, I thought this was a really excellent Precious game. And frankly, a game that to me sort of cements Precious as, to me, the guy I trust the sixth most on this team. Like for me, he is the sixth man. He is the guy who I appreciate the most when he comes into games. Obviously, when Gary Trent Jr. is going to go four of eight from three, he really makes a case for himself there as well. But Precious has been, of late, I, I think it's kind of been a little bit unremarked upon. He's been kind of rounding into form here. Look, there's always going to be the Precious gaffes, right? Like, he's always going to have the moments where you totally are shaking your head because he makes a play so, uh, like, confounding that you don't really understand how he even got there on the mental track of making the decision. But that's the Precious way, and that's fine 
if he's offering really good defense and enough on the offensive end to justify his really good defense being on the floor. Um, you know, he's up to 32% on threes this season. We talked about recently, uh, one of the hums on a recent podcast was that he's been kind of getting back to knocking threes down at a pretty high clip. Um, I want to say he's at like 39 or 38% over the last 10 games now. That's not nothing. That's pretty massive. And I, I think Precious, with the way he can be a switch defender, with the way he can unlock different types of coverages, while also being basically replicable to Yaka Pertl as a rim protector so far this season, I think there's got to be more Precious playing the five on defense, not on offense. He can't play the five on offense. He doesn't hit guys on screens or anything like that. But I do think, you know, as I'm watching this team, and we'll get into the Scotty Pascal OG trio and how bloody good they've been um, and how the interconnectivity between the three of them has been really nice of late, was awesome in the game against the Hawks last night. Um, I, I think Precious is really making a case to be a fourth guy alongside those three guys in some key lineups. I think, again, the switchability, the fact that you can throw different coverages out. We saw last night, like, look, not a lot of dudes can switch on to Trey Young effectively. Yaka Pertle got stuck on an island against Trey a couple times and got totally cooked, as you would probably expect. But Precious Achua does not get cooked in those spots when he's playing the five defensively. When you have him and Scotty Barnes as your two low men as well, like I think that's enough combined rim protection, even with Precious not being a traditional seven-footer type, to get by when you also have the wing defense you have in, Pres in Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi out there. I think that's a thing to look at. You know, I've been thinking Gary Trent Jr. as the, the guy that you put into the starting five if you're going to change up the starters at some point. But maybe Precious Achua is carving out more of a case for that than originally anticipated. I thought, just watching back this morning, I didn't even have this sort of thought about Precious having watched the game in real time last night. Watching it back this morning, the biggest pops defensively for this team were when Precious was out there. And it was just enough to get them by, right? Obviously, Yach had the two big blocks late. That's great. They 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 you know kind of buckled down in some key moments, but I, I think where they really won this game were in the pockets where they were kind of able to slow down Trey Young, and that was because Precious Achua was doing the thing. He was awesome. I was uh, really really impressed. And again, this kind of game just lays bare the formula for this Raptors team, right? Like their offense is actually kind of coming around, not in any sort of top of the league juggernaut type way, but it's coming around in a way where the offense doesn't feel so laborious, right? They'll miss their threes. Their bad offensive games are definitely tied to like really bad shooting variance nights where they go six of 32 against the Hornets or whatever. But I don't feel like we're seeing the same lulls of multiple possessions in a row where they just can't generate anything from a standstill. They're actually kind of getting into their stuff. Their cutting has been really strong. They're working the Yaka Pirtle at the elbow stuff pretty well. He had six assists last night. Like, I do think they're rounding into form offensively into something resembling, you know, something between the 18th and 22nd best defense in the league or offense in the league. I think they're 21st right now per clean the glass, which is perfectly fine. It's the defense that's got to come up. And a guy like Precious and his performance last night, end of late, suggests to me that a, a vehicle to get to a better defense might be a little more Precious Achua and a little less Yaka Pirtle. The Yak thing is going to get awkward. I think in the next couple months, we're going to talk a lot about Yaka Pirtle as a potential trade guy. Like, do you just cut bait and, you know, wash your hands with the whole thing? That's maybe a little bit aggressive, but I do think the fit stuff is pretty glaring at this point. Not to mention, he's just kind of maybe not defending at the same level he was before. 
it's complicated by the fact that Dennis Schroeder is just like getting destroyed at the point of attack right now. He has been awful, 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 awful as a point of attack defender. Both Yach and Dennis Schroeder, negative defend- defensive estimated plus minus per dunks and threes, which is a really good site for this stuff with the catch-alls. Uh, you have those two guys working on an island with less help than they would send last year, and you're asking for all kinds of trouble. Maybe Precious Achua is a way to mitigate at least one end of those concerns. We shall see. All right, we'll come back on the other side. We'll get into the big three who were very, very big 3E last night against the Hawks. Of course, the Hawks let that happen because the Hawks stink and their defense is a disaster show, even more so than the Raptors. But uh, I think we're seeing some good stuff there with Pascal, OG, and Scotty. And it's going to be a bummer if those three dudes can't be kept together, which is very likely at this point. The writing might be on the wall, but man, oh man, it'd be cool to find a way to make those three work and sing with the proper context around them. We'll talk about that coming up on the other side. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. You got to go check them out right now because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers are staying hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bones if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And it's not just for the NFL, of course. You can go put some scratch down on the Toronto Raptors, giving up the over to whoever their opponent is until Precious Achua starts to play more regular, heavy rotation minutes. Uh, you can uh, obviously you know, go to same-game parlays. You're watching a Raptors game, you want to say, hey, Trey Young is going to hit this many shots and have this many turnovers and also uh, flop this many times. I'm sure there's a parlay out there for that over at FanDuel as well. So go check them out. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and of the LockedOn Podcast Network. All right, continuing on here, your first listen of the day. Digging into the Raptors and their 135-128 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Again, like damning with faint praise, but this was a nice game to see. Even if the Atlanta Hawks have now lost five in a row and are kind of a rudderless mess full of a whole bunch of very bad players getting a whole lot of minutes, like a lot of Wesley Matthews, a lot of Sadiq Bay, a lot of Garrison Matthews. Like this is a this is a mess, man. I, I know they're injured. I know they don't have Jalen Johnson right now. AJ Griffin missed with personal reasons, although he's barely been in the rotation. I, I, the Hawks are strange. I can't be throwing too many stones from glass houses over here because the Raptors too are strange and kind of a mess. But uh, it was nice to get the comparison to the Hawks. And I, I do think the Raptors are just a better team than Atlanta. I think the Raptors have underperformed their station quite a bit so far this year. I'm not sure I can say the same about Atlanta, considering they've gotten huge pops from Jalen Johnson when healthy and Trey Young and DeJounte Murray have ostensibly been pretty productive. Anyway, the Raptors, the big three, Pascal, Scotty, OG. Holy God, the efficiency in this one for these three guys, man. 33 for Siakam on 12 of 19, and baby, baby, that dam is breaking on the three-point shot for Pascal. Five of six from three. Look, he's not going to go five or six from three all the time, but it certainly helps with the sort of swift rush of re- regression back to the mean in a positive fashion for him to have nights like this. But we've seen, you know, he'll hit one of two, one of one. You know, he, the last few games here, he's looking more comfortable with the stroke. It doesn't feel like an automatic brick every time it goes up. That's incredible to see. And if he can inch that up to 31, 32, 33, kind of where he's been, 
you're more than okay because Scotty Barnes is right now like a 39% three-point shooter, and that doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. He goes three of four in this game as well. 27, 10, and six for Scotty on 11 of 14 shooting. Just no resistance whatsoever. Trey Young, tons of switches, just getting bludgeoned by Scotty Barnes. You love to see it. And then OG Ananobi, a really, really solid game as well. Two of five from deep, 22, five, and three. Um, those three guys were fantastic in this game. They were excellent. They really, really were just three st- straws stirring the drink at all times. And, you know, the, 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 I think this is just like another data point of those three dudes not being the problem, right? Like this has kind of been my passion project throughout the year. I know the concept of the core being bad and all oh, that we've seen it so many times. We've seen it for three years. It's all bad. I just think that's like a really reductive, simplistic, and frankly wrong way to look at it because this core is different than previous versions of this core because Scotty Barnes is doing what Scotty Barnes is doing. It entirely changes the context and it makes the fit between the three of them all the easier to figure out. Scotty can play off ball. He's been an excellent, excellent spot up player so far this year. 1.16 points per possessions as a spot up player this season. That's fantastic. He can make things happen from there, whether it's as a catch-and-shoot three-point guy or as someone who's exploiting closeouts, getting downhill, and causing all kinds of havoc. Uh, Scotty Barnes getting downhill, busting closeouts, that is like a recipe for really good things to happen. Um, You obviously have Pascal Siakam, the post-up wizard, the, the transition finisher. All of that's been really good. OG, finding his spots here and there. Um, I think the interplay between the three of them has been awesome. I think the sort of... The whole like concept of, oh, there's too much overlap between them. I just kind of think that's lazy. And I think that's wrong at this point. Previous seasons, sure. Scotty and Pascal very much operated in similar fashions. I don't think that's been the case really at all this season. And if you look at like the play type data, they're not overlapping very much in really any area of the floor. You have Pascal, the transition finisher. Scotty, the transition orchestrator. You have... Uh, Scotty working a little bit more in pick and roll would like to see more working in pick and roll and way less pick and roll operation for Pascal, who's been obviously incredible in the post Scotty, his post touches, not super frequent. Um, I, I just, I think these guys are operating in different spots and complimenting one another. And it all gets easier because Scotty Barnes is bombing threes like he is. And the results have been really encouraging for those three dudes. A plus 0. 0.7, a 0.7 net rating for those three guys is a trio across the season you might say oh that's not very good that's just like barely positive consider that 79 percent of their minutes have been coming in the starting lineup who until last night were getting absolutely wrecked every single time to hit the floor over the last month or so uh that still is a lineup that is a minus 3.7 net rating even after last night where they really boosted that number back up um still a significant minus lineup in the second most minutes played by any lineup in basketball this season uh, and yet they have still managed to be a plus 0.7 net rating. And now you might say, oh, well, like those are three guys in the lineup. They're the reason why they're a plus 0.7 net rating. But I just don't think that's the case. We talked about Yaka Pertle and uh, Dennis Schroeder and their defensive issues. Like those two dudes are the biggest reasons why the defense is hemorrhaging points right now. It just is. It stinks. You know, Malachi Flynn throwing his hat in the ring there as well. Gary Trent Jr. not been very good defensively, but 
Dennis and, and Yach are the key contributors to a lot of the defensive breakdowns right now. Things are falling apart at the point of attack. Yach's put on an island, and there's not a ton of help coming. I think maybe a scheme change there would be a little bit nice. A little more aggression in the help would be all right. Um, but but like those two guys on defense are a big problem. Then on offense, they're a problem too, right? Like Dennis is still leading the team in touches. Led the team in touches again last night. Didn't lead in shots, which is great. He only had 11 shots. A perfect amount of shots for Dennis Schroeder, I think. Jakob Pertl, obviously. The spacing issues with him are a thing. The free throws, obviously, have been a thing as well. Um, although 5 of 8 last night, you'll happily take that. But like those two guys, to me, it's pretty obvious, are the reason that starting lineup is not functioning the way it should. If you sprinkled in a pull-up shooting guard in place of Dennis Schroeder, you get last year's starting lineup, which was bloody incredible for a pretty long stretch of minutes. If you swap out Jakob Pertl for a more spacey, switchy center like a Precious Achua, for example, the lineups get really good. Fit matters, and I don't think the fit between Siakam, OG, and Barnes is the thing that is the limiting factor here. And the numbers bear it out. Those three guys with no Jakob Pertl, I've been tracking this number all season long, plus 22.6 net rating. Those three dudes with no Dennis, a plus 26.8 net rating. Like they're crushing teams when they have the right context around them and just like a little bit of shooting and a little bit of space for Scotty Barnes to operate from the middle of the floor. It's been really excellent. Those three with no Dennis or Jakob Pertl, only 21 possessions. The other are like 100 possession samples, um, which is not still a lot, but it's enough to start to feel pretty good about the numbers you're seeing. The 21 possessions of those three with no Yak or Dennis, a plus 69.3 net rating with a 54.5 defensive rating. Again, just 21 possessions. It's nothing, but um, it, it you know serves my point here, so I'll lean into it. Um, and look, tomorrow's December 15th. Trade season is upon us, and... We know the OG and Siakam noise is not going anywhere. We know the team is still 10 and 14, even with a nice win last night. This, like The writing might be on the wall here that one of these guys is going to get moved. I think at this point, if I'm leaning one way or another, and I keep on telling myself I'm going to stop saying trade OG and Anobi, but I think if you're looking at building this thing out, trading OG probably gets you the better return at the deadline because he's on an easier-to-move contract. And it's just like a more glove-like fit on more teams for OG. Siakam is a bit more of a tricky fit. Doesn't mean he's any less talented. It's not an ability thing. It's just like a contractual situation and on-court fit situation. And if OG ends up being the guy, like that'll stink. If Pascal ends up being the guy, that'll stink. These three guys work together. I don't think there's even really much debate about it at this point. The problem is, is it just might be past the point where you can build out a functional roster while also keeping all three of them. I get that. I understand that is the limiting factor to those three guys. When you also factor in the contractual stuff, we're paying both of them this offseason or you know, extending Pascal now and paying OG in the summer. That obviously creates all sorts of trouble when it comes to just the, the, the long-term financial planning of the team. It's not to say it's impossible, but it gets a lot harder. And so I understand the realities, but it should be known that if it ends up that these three guys got to be split up, it's not because those three guys don't work in concert with one another. It's because the front office has bungled things to the point where they have to move one of them to save and salvage the rest of the roster, which would be a really upsetting place to be. The hope is they can get more creative than that and figure out a way to make it all copacetic, but it just might be a little bit too late. That three as a core works and it works even more 
as you bake in Scotty Barnes becoming a better player, which he surely will do as 22-year-olds do uh, over the next few years, and the sort of hierarchy of Scotty, Pascal, OG establishes itself even further. Those three guys are really, really good. Last night, a nice reminder of that. A strong data point in a pretty long run recently of strong data points of those three dudes decidedly not being the problem. It'd be a damn shame if they end up being the reason, like if it ends up that those three guys got to be split up because of other stuff that has gone wrong with the roster build. But that's the takeaway from this one for me. Those three guys were awesome. And uh, I would like to see them play fun, cool, magical basketball with each other for a much longer time, even if we may be in the waning days of that at this point. Um, we'll come back to the other side. We will round it out with the good, the bad, and the hum. We got the, the hum, the hum, hum. Yeah, I got to use more M's there, protract it out a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into the good, the bad, and the hum to round out the show. We'll do that in just one second. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at Dave. Today's show is brought to you by Dave.com. Finances can be so intimidating. That is why you need Dave. Dave can make managing your money so much easier with the interest-free extra cash advance, fee-free goal tracking, and easy ways to find a side hustle to make more money. Dave is the banking app that's leveling up, leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. Download Dave today at dave.com slash locked in MBA. That's dave.com slash locked in MBA. You could get up to 500 bucks in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app or go to dave.com slash locked in MBA for terms and conditions. Go to dave.com slash legal eligible criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve member FDIC. All right, rounding out the show here uh, with uh, the good, the bad, and the hmm. The way we round out every single episode of the pod here after a Raptors game. A thing I liked, a thing I didn't like, and a thing that's got me a little intrigued after the game. So let's go with the good. And my good is just that the Toronto Raptors are not the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Look, again... This is not exactly, uh, you know, a big brother, little brother situation. They're both kind of little brothers, just like punching away at each other. Uh, it's, it's not like, you know, the, they're not super, you know, leagues and miles ahead of where the Hawks are. But I do think I would much rather be in the position the Raptors are than the position the Hawks are in. I, I think Scotty Barnes is more exciting than any player on the Hawks. I think Pascal Siakam is more of a winning player than any player on the Hawks. They just got a lot of losing players, man. Just dudes who do not affect winning all that much. And I also think like the Hawks defense is a disaster show without much of a chance of getting better. The Raptors defense is a disaster show with the in-house talent to be better than what it's been. Um, I, I think just sort of the outlooks of these teams, right? Like the Hawks have more picks going out because of the DeJounte Murray trade and they have DeJounte Murray and Trey Young kind of locked in. They have, um, you know, sure. Nice young players, Jalen Johnson, really good s- to start for him, but they've also got a whole lot of Sadiq Bay and Deandre Hunter to sort through on this team. Just like really ineffectual wings, you know, OG Ananobi is like the idealized version of what the Hawks hope all of their wings could one day be, but will not be. It's it's always nice to just see a team that's in less dire straits than the team that you like. I guess that's kind of my good. My bonus good from this game, Trey Young got like hit in the face by Dennis Schroeder at one point. It was like the one time Dennis Schroeder made contact defensively against Trey Young all night long. Um, but Alvin Williams, after so like Trey gets hit in the face, he like does the little Trey theatrics and stuff because Trey loves the theatrics. Um, 
And Alvin Williams, just a little subtle after seeing the replay, goes, my seven-year-old slaps me harder than that. And I lost it. It was perfect. I don't even think it went remarked upon by Matt Devlin, maybe more than a second, but it was truly awesome. I loved it so much. Shout out Alvin Williams. Uh, let's go to the bad. And look, the starters were too good in this game. This is As someone who has been begging, hoping for some sort of change to the starting lineup, I fear that them being a plus 14 and 22 minutes together in this game is going to delay the change of the starting five for like three weeks. Uh, it's it's maddening. You know, I'll take it. Obviously, you're happy that they had a really strong game. There's nothing wrong with that. You are very encouraged and hopefully they can build upon it. And that's great. Uh, but man, oh, man. The starters, uh, just too good. And that's to say, like, their offense was excellent in this game. Their defense, still an absolute mess. 127.1 defensive rating for the starters in their 22 minutes in this game. Um, continues to be a real problem. Continues to be the real problem for the starters. The offense, we know, is never going to be awesome, but they're finding ways of, you know, living at the rim and making stuff work and running things a little more smoothly. That starting lineup can't figure out the defense. They're, t they're just toast. They're cooked. And the Dennis and Yakov at all did not give me a ton of hope. Yes, Trey Young is a particularly hard guard for a pick and roll duo on defense. There's no doubt about that. Trey also hit a lot of pretty ridiculous shots in this game. Credit to him. Um, but yeah, just uh, really, really tough stuff for the Raptors starters on defense in this game. And as much as they were awesome in terms of raw plus minus, uh, I hope that's not going to like dissuade Darko Ryakovich from considering some ideas and different fresh perspectives on the starting lineup because it's still not very good and the hawks are not exactly the testing ground that i would say are like the bellwether the litmus test for how good the raptors defense and the raptors starters defense can be um or just the raptors starters in general like they were too good it's a bad thing they were too good we'll come back we'll uh wrap it up here with the hmm and the hmm is uh darko ryakovich Mixing up the rotation patterns just a little bit on the heels of the starters, surely getting another two weeks of runway. Darko kind of going away from the Scotty plus four bench guys. Look, only three minutes for that lineup in this game. They got cooked in those three minutes. Um, but then there were some different combinations like OG and Dennis leading a second unit. All right. I can work with that. You have um, just some like different variations of stuff. There were some bizarro lineups in there, like a lot of Malachi Flynn plus Dennis Schroeder backcourts that were getting roasted on defense. Not your favorite thing. Although shout out Malachi Flynn, truly a wretched defensive game for him in this one, but also had eight assists somehow, which credit to him. I mean, also credit to Trey Young for allowing those blow buys and paint touches that led to a lot of those assists. That'll happen. Trey Young's really bad at defense, but um, like watching those like Flynn and Trey staring at each other on defense is just a Spider-Man me basically. Um, but yeah, the, the the defense was just a little little little, little not, not awesome with a couple of those lineups. I had totally forgot how to say words there, um, but I liked the fact that we saw a bit of a different approach to the subs i think dennis schroeder was the first sub out in the third quarter i haven't seen that quite i don't think at all this season that's interesting like you know let, let's see more of it obviously you know i, I think the the book is out on the scotty plus four plus four bench guys lineups they're not good like they have moments here and there where it's fun but they're not good they're getting waxed basically uh anytime they hit the floor this game no exception but if you can find different combinations this has been my thing all year they have players around which you can build more interesting and geometrically sound lineups. And to see Darko start dabbling in with that a little bit, 
I'll choose to be encouraged, at least on a hmm level. It's not, I'm not going to call it the good yet. we got to wait and see, but I will give it a hmm for now. And with that, we're going to round up the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sorry if this was a bit of a frantic episode. Uh, I feel frantic today. Maybe I'm just juiced up by the wind. I don't know. But either way, thank you so much for rocking with the show. We'll be back again tomorrow. As it's December 15th, we're going to do a little bit of a look ahead to trade season, kind of sort through the Raptors' priorities, figure out what is like a must to happen in these next couple of months, what should, what I don't want to see, all that stuff. We will do that on Friday's podcast. In the meantime, thank you for tuning in, supporting, joining the Discord for free. Obviously, link in the description as always. Finding us on social, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Leaving ratings, reviews, subscribing, all the stuff you can do to support the show from your end. We love you when you do it. Thank you very, very much. Uh, that will wrap it up for for now. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Thanks so much for hanging. Bye bye.